0: If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them this morning to the book of John, chapter 1. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Question question oftentimes is asked, who is Jesus? It's a good question. It's a legitimate question. And one that the book of John specifically answers. For John writes in the book of John, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what John's focus is. And when you use a book for the right purpose, as you would use any tool for the right purpose, you're going to get better results. If you use a screwdriver for a chisel, beating on the back of it with a hammer, you're not going to get the same result you would if you were to actually use a chisel, which probably some of you did yesterday. But the point is, is that when you use the right tool for the right job, it's going to produce the right result. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and give us that wisdom that comes only from you. That you would settle our hearts, that you would bind any evil spirits, God, that would love to destroy, disrupt, and and cause God dissension. We ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and settle our hearts in you this morning. We are not here to be entertained. We are not here to be to be uh, self-exonerated. We're here to worship and study about you. And so, Father, as we do this this morning, may your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us. Minister to the heart, God, that only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. We started the book of John last week, and it starts off very interesting because in the beginning, in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything made is made. Now, this is why this is important. First of all, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We talked about this in the original language a little bit, and I'll read it for you as it would read in the original language. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was alongside Theos. The Word for God here is Theos. Now, in other words, it isn't that Jesus was non-existent or simply in the mind of God. It says he was alongside God from the beginning. Through the Bible, we find that Jesus will be seated at the right hand of the Father. We find in the first martyr, when we come to Stephen, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. So this is important. God always has um, two things going on at once. You have a husband and a wife. You have uh, Moses and Aaron. You have Jesus and John the Baptist, you have Paul and Silas, you have Paul and Barnabas, you're always surrounded by someone that will help you. Why? The the burden and the journey is too big for one person. So until God sends you that special person to minister with you, whether it be a best friend, whether it be a, a spouse, you have a family of God you need to be a part of. Why is that? The journey is too big for you alone. Sometimes as we live our lives, we always we recognize that it's too overwhelming. You're right, it is. It's very overwhelming. That's why you need your family. That's why you need the family of God. This is why it works this way. So, he tells us here, and we're just going to go to 14. We covered the other verses last week. It says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word that was alongside God became flesh and dwelt among us. This is who Jesus Christ is. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now this is really important. It says, because it says, the only begotten of the Father. John 3.16, a couple chapters up. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. Again, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to tell you the truth. And unfortunately, in this world, truth is something that nobody wants to face. Now, when you have, as an example, you have religions of the world, and they have a lot of weird ideas, you're going to offend people when you tell people the truth. As an example, you have religions that say, Well, God had many sons. God had Buddha and Mohammed and 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 the uh, the Mara Krishnis and all the others that are out there. What does the Bible say? The only begotten of the Father. Again, John 3.16, God sent his only begotten Son. The Mormon church teaches Satan and Jesus are brothers. Now, there's nothing any farther from the truth. And when you stop to realize they base a whole religion upon that idea, we're in trouble. They're in trouble. Now again, something you want to remember, as somebody asked me one time as they called on to Every Man and Answer, they said, what is one of the best books I can get to refute Mormonism? I said, the Book of Mormon. And they said, what? And I said, yes. Because in the Book of Mormon, you will not find Satan and Jesus being brothers. You will not find that you're going to be a god yourself someday as they teach. And the god of this world that we all pray to, they say in the in Mormonism, is nothing more than Adam God who fell in the garden with Eve. And because he went through the progressive states, he became god of this world and that's the god and the only one they have to do with. But if you're sealed in the temple, you'll become a god yourself someday and rule over your own planet. That is not biblical theology. Again, he sent his only begotten of the Father. Why is this important? People a lot of times will say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, friends, you can believe that driving into a brick wall at 100 miles an hour in your Ferrari won't hurt. I guarantee you, it will. Just because you have faith or belief doesn't mean or doesn't change the fact. Again, we have to have, the Bible says, evidence for our faith. It's interesting to me that Jesus quoted more from the book of Genesis than any other book. Why? It gives the book of Genesis great credibility. What's under attack today? The book of Genesis. Well, we didn't. God didn't create the heavens and the earth. God didn't create you. We evolved from cosmic sludge when lightning hit a swamp. Now they have continually morphed their ideas. Now they're saying, well, maybe there wasn't a big bang. Maybe this has always just been going on and on. What's the problem with that? They know that the expanse of our universe is expanding. They know that. It had to have a beginning. It had to have an origination. Now, again, when we go back and we look, all things were made by Him, speaking of Jesus Christ. Not anything made that is made had to be made by Him. If there was a Big Bang, who lit the fuse? So we have a lot of problems when we get into that. Friends, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in Jesus Christ. Now, we want to look at this up close. Evolution is a faith-based religion taught in our schools, and i got to say, wrongly so. Because there is no factual evidence for evolution. None. There's transmutations. You'll find big dogs and small dogs and big horses and small horses. But a horse is a horse, of course, of course. There's no such thing as abrupt change. This is what they, and how they try to get around dogs ceasing to be dogs and all of a sudden become cats. It violates every DNA study they have ever found. But yet when it comes and if you throw enough billions of years into the mix, well, these things can happen. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. It requires more faith to put your faith in nothing than it does to put your faith in something. All things were made by him. And when you look at the intricacies of how everything is made, you have to realize that there is a designer. The Bible says only the fool is said in his heart there is no god. What is the problem then with not believing in God? Everything is random happenstance and there is no ultimate outcome. The Bible says that there is And so he says that John, verse 15, bore witness of him, cried out saying, This is he of whom I have said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, and he was before me. This is speaking of the eternity of Christ. Jesus was not created when he was born in Bethlehem. The Bible says Jesus always was. Now, something that's important to remember about this particular topic is there's a lot of religions today, such as the seven-day, or excuse me, the Jehovah's Witnesses, that say Jesus was created when he was born in Bethlehem. Before then, he was known only as Michael the Archangel. Again, extremely wrong. In John 8, 58, we remember Jesus is chiding with the, uh, the Sanhedrin, with the Jewish elders. Of that day. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. Now, Abraham, 2,800 years before Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees' ears perk up and they said, What? You're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus in John 8, 58 says, Before Abraham was, I am. Now, what was interesting is Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. So there, the Pharisees completely understood that Jesus and Abraham had an encounter together. Very important. In fact, we don't really understand that great mystery till we get up to Hebrews chapter 7, where we remember that when Abraham met Melchizedek in the slaughter of the kings, Lot and his... Family, They're goofy, doing weird stuff, and they got captured by a bunch of bad people. Abraham gets his 300 plus guys together, and they go after to get his relatives back and to save his stuff. They do this, they catch up with him, they win. Lot and his relatives are set free, Lot brings his family back. On his way back, he runs into a guy. Interesting. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7, consider what kind of guy this Melchizedek is. It says that he was a priest. He didn't have a father. He didn't have a mother. He didn't have beginning of days nor end of days, but was like unto the Son of God. Now Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. Here it's speaking of the eternity of Jesus Christ, which by the way... When it says all things were made by him and without him, not anything made is made as we just read. Well, why is that important? Well, that Jesus was there in the beginning. Going back to Genesis chapter 1.1. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Not a created being, but God himself. And so it says, Full and of his fullness we have received grace for grace. You know, that's really neat, because in the law, you didn't get grace. <laughs> you, you, got, you got what was coming to you. I got what was coming to me. But grace is different, friends. Grace extends to us, not giving us what we deserve, but rather God giving us things because he loves us. Do you realize God loves you? And God's got great things for each one of us. Notice verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Oh, it sure was. What was the law? Everybody knows what that is. Thou shalt not, in a Cecil B. Mill voice, go back to the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, with complete full Dolby reverb. Thou shalt not covet, 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 covet. Well, what does it say here? Verse 17 again. For the law was given through Moses. Remember when he went up on Mount Sinai? He told all the children of Israel, Okay, okay, you, gotta, you guys, uh, you know, all, mind your business. now, okay? Because I'm going to go up on the mountain, and I'll come back. He goes up on the mountain. God carves him out the Ten Commandments hewn from stone. Interesting, though. The law was carved on what? Stone. The Bible says God's going to write His law in the New Covenant on what? Our hearts. Hearts of flesh. Big difference. You can have things written in stone, or you can have things written on the softness of a person's heart. That's what God chose to do. Well, anyway, Moses goes up on the mountain. He comes down. As he comes down from the mountain... The Bible says his face is glowing. Mm, mm. And it wasn't probably glowing nearly as much as it would be when he fully got down to the bottom of the hill. And when he come down to the bottom of the hill, all the children of Israel that had saw the Red Sea's part, saw the pillar of fire by night, the cloud of smoke by day. And By the cloud of smoke, by the way, a lot of people don't understand what the whole purpose of the cloud of smoke was. Oh, now there's a reference point. No, not really. I mean, it was. But the cloud of smoke was shade. Have you ever been in a nice, hot Southern California or Mojave Desert or Southern Idaho day in the summertime and it's about 120? Well, maybe not. Well, no, it's hotter than that in Mojave Desert. But 100 degrees plus. And there's a cloud that comes up, and ooh, everything just gets so nice and cool. Oh, and you're going, oh, big cloud, please stay right there. I know you've done this. And you're going, oh, that feels so good. Well, that's what the children of Israel did. The cloud gave them shade. And so they're always moving around to stay in the shade. That's how God could guide them for 40 years in the wilderness. And the pillar of fire... Gave them light at night, and gave them warmth at night. So God provided for them. They saw all these miracles. And by the way, how God fed them with manna in the morning on the ground. You know what the word manna is means? What is it? I don't know. But that's what the word means. But somebody said it tastes a lot like graham crackers. I like graham crackers. Yeah, okay, that's cool. And, And they were provided for. Moses comes down the hill, and they're all dancing around a golden calf, worshiping it. Moses goes to his brother and says, hey, what's going on here? What are they doing? Well, we just took and we threw a bunch of gold in a pot and poured it out, and this is what came out. Actually, that's what it says. It says they actually just said, well, we just threw all the gold in, and this is what popped out. I don't think so. We know that they had to be made. And they're dancing around it. Well, you know, Moses, they got a little worried. They didn't know if you were ever coming back. And so they made their own God. Again, seeing the... (laughs) I still can't figure this out. The cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, their food delivered every morning, and they still dance around a golden calf. You know, when you want to be blind concerning spiritual things... People will do that. The law was given through Moses. His face was glowing when he came down out of the hill. But notice it says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Do you know truth of God alone, we can't handle it? What was the old movie that came out? You can't handle the truth. Well, that's true. We remember Pilate asked Jesus or Herod, what is truth? See, the problem is people oftentimes don't want to know. It's easier to stay in ignorance concerning religion, concerning our own personal lives, where our eternal destiny is going to be, concerning our finances. It's easier to stay in a lie than it is to come to the truth. But here's what's important to understand. If you like to underline things in your Bible, I suggest you do this in verse 17. It says grace and truth. Notice that even the order I think is significant. God giving to us things because he loves us. That's what grace is. All of you are graceful to your kids at Christmas. It's not that they earned it. It's that you're good and you've given them nice things. That's what grace is. Truth alone is important, but we've got to have God's grace, his goodness towards us to balance it out. Why? Because a lot of times we realize we're not good. And the thing is, we can end up with a pretty sad, guilty conscience concerning those things. Now notice again, it says here in verse 18, and notice the placement as verse 18 in its comparison to verse 17. This is important. No one has seen God at any time. Only the begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, has declared Him, or has made, revealed to us who the Father is. Now you say, why is that important? Look at it first of all. The law was given through Moses. Now, we know the Bible tells us that he saw the backside of God. His face glowed when he came down out of the hill. And yet in verse 18, it says, no one has seen God at any time. So how can you have Moses seeing God, receiving the Ten Commandments from God, his face glowing, and the very next verse says, no one has ever seen God? Good question. And this is where, of course, the English language is a little faulty. Because here's what it says. No one has, in this word seen here, if you look it up in a strong concordance, kind of an interesting word, because they actually make a, 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 a notation in there. It says, no one has gazed intently upon God and lived, literally, is what it says. No one has gazed intently upon God at any time. Why? We can't handle it. Our old bodies, these bodies we're in, I believe, can't handle the radiance and the glory of God. I, I think that's why Paul says, we're not exactly sure what we're going to be, but we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. In other words, you're going to get a new body that can handle the radiance of God. Our old, these bodies can't do that. I I, kind of think about it kind of like massive radiation. I mean, Jesus in Him is every creative thing in the universe. And we, we send her, and and the Bible says that we're made out of dirt. By the way, that's why your dirt fails a lot. Because it's, it's destined that way. But we're going to get a body that isn't made from dirt. It's made from God's heavenly hand. And it will never fail. It'll never get old. It'll never turn back to dirt because it wasn't made from dirt. You're going to get a new body. And you know, the older you get, the more you appreciate that thought. You know, our our bodies are falling apart. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever combed your hair and got dandruff? That's you. You're falling apart. You ever notice how, how we, we do all kinds of things to make this old thing still look good? You know, we prop it up and we, you know, we, we Botox it and we do all these things. We pluck it and we pull it and we stick them in, we pull them out. We, you know, everything we could do to, to make these things still kind of function. So, so people, when they see us at our 20 year class reunion, they don't go, Honey, is that you? You I mean, we want people to still remember us the way we were. And we wear glasses. As you get older, you, you, if anybody here, you all, we all know this. We fight glasses, don't we? You, you want to put them off as long as you can. Why? I don't know. But the minute that you put them on, the things you automatically say are, Oh, That's how it used to be. I mean, because we recognize for the first time in a long time, we can see again. But our new body doesn't break down. And that's what's really cool. And in fact, we get a body that can go through walls and at the same time eat. And by the way, eating is important. I like to eat. You can tell when you're getting older. Do you know how you can tell when you're getting older? You don't care how fast it goes. You don't care how high it flies. How does it taste? That's what you want to know. Well, we still get to eat. We remember Jesus along the shore of the Galilee cooking fish for his friends, for his disciples. So we still get to eat. That's a good thing. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has gazed intently upon God at any time. Only the begotten son whom the bosom of it, who's in the bosom of the father has declared him. That's how we know who the Father is, is through Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at com slash Time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, Thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.